Hey there, listeners. This is Zach. Just dropping in to let you know that this is the final episode of our third season. Much like last year, Tony Rose and I will be fully immersed in the Virtual Summer Institute for the next few months. And during that time, we'll be publishing edited versions of previous podcast episodes, particularly the most popular ones with our listeners. So this year, we'll actually be clipping out highlights from each episode and publishing what we're calling shortcasts or shorter versions with links to the full version and the show notes for each one. So that's coming for the next few months. We really hope you've enjoyed this season as much as we have, and we're definitely excited to get season four started in August. But in the meantime, we do hope you enjoy the shortcasts. And remember, you can always reach out to us with feedback or questions at podcast at modernclassrooms.org. For now, please enjoy this episode with Monty and Chris Isop on Teacher Reflection. Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode number 141 of the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. My name is Monty, she, her pronouns, and I'm a Modern Classrooms mentor and implementer, and I also moderate our Facebook group. Today, I am joined by Chris Isop, who is a second through seventh in life skills music teacher. Um, how are you today, Chris? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, it's so exciting to be in this space with you, and thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast, um, and I'm glad that we're able to get this ball rolling today. Before we get started, though, can you tell me what has been bringing you joy lately? Thanks, Monty. Um, honestly, it's the weather here in Toronto. Uh, these past few months have been pretty cold here. So I, I also live by Lake Ontario. So we do get more of a cooler breeze compared to more inland parts of Toronto. So I'm just happy that I'm able to walk around the city, uh, more outdoor activities, patios, hiking, and not have to wear a heavy jacket anymore. Yes, uh, the new the the warmer weather was definitely nice. Um, here in DC, we actually had a pretty mild winter. It wasn't very cold. Um, it was kind of all over the place, but nice weather definitely does just put you in such a better mood. It's true. It's true. Yes, <laughs> it definitely is. Um, so tell us about you um, and how you got started on your modern classroom journey. Yeah. Um, so I've been a music educator and musician for a very long time. Um, I've been a violinist for over 20 years, and when I was a teenager, I worked part-time at a um, as a music instructor as a, at a performing arts academy and taught there for about a decade. Um, I then moved on to public education, followed my older sister's footsteps. Uh, right now, she's a kindergarten teacher, and, um, and that was in around like 2019 when I uh, started my teacher's college training. And... When I eventually got my teaching degree, I, I did the interview process, and and luckily I've only strictly been a music teacher, um, so I, I'm just glad that I'm able to share my passion and expertise in music with students um, of different ages um, and different uh, experiences with music as well. Um, I also have two master's degrees: one is in musicology, and the other one is in teaching. 
um, with a focus on music performance anxiety in child and adolescent students. Um, now, I was introduced to MCP through my amazing principal, his name is Brian Slemko, um, whom honestly is like the most wonderful individual and leader. Um, it was actually through him um, who recommended, recommended to myself and to my staff um, to be trained in MCP. So I took the course last summer, the Summer Institute. Um, and was immediately engaged by it. Uh, just its usefulness in teaching content to students and how culturally, culturally relevant it is to today's youth. Um, and each day I try to find other engaging ways of incorporating modern classroom methods into my teaching practices. Wow, so much experience in two master's degrees. I admire you. I am working. <laughs> um, and it is literally the bane of my existence. Um, so I'd love to hear more about your school and the types of learners that you uh, serve. Yeah, for sure. So um, I teach music at a school in Milton, Ontario. For those that are not familiar with that, it's about maybe a 45-ish minute drive away from Toronto. Uh, so this year, I teach all students from grades 2 to grade 7, uh, and this is all in music and uh, also to uh, students receiving special education services in a self-contained classroom and that's also in music as well now being the main music teacher i see about four to five different classes and grades each day and throughout the week so that's about uh 400 plus students and names to memorize uh, but yeah, yeah. But I love that because I get to know, I, I pretty much get to know like 90% of the whole student population in the school. So I love that I, you know, I'll walk down the hallway and I'll always, I'll have like a grade seven saying hello to me or a grade two saying hi to me or grade four. It, it's just wonderful. So I, I love that each period, it's something new. Um, and so to paint you a snapshot of it, um, this school, um, it has a large South Asian and Muslim student community. Uh, these kids are so wonderful and bright my day with their curiosity, wonder, humor, and how open they are with sharing with me some of their culture as well. So with, with that said, um, there are a variety of different learners that I encounter. So students who are on IEPs, multilingual learners who are at uh, different steps of their English language acquisition and fluency, um, students with exceptionalities, and uh, music-wise, um, even students with different levels of music music experiences, such as you know students who take music lessons outside of school, or versus students who have little to no music experience whatsoever. That's very cool, but four hundred students. Um, I yeah. taught almost, almost two hundred. <laughs> remember feeling like that was a lot um but there is also some like some really cool things with being able to know the majority of the student body yeah, um, yeah. And i mean i have the opposite situation i work in a small school but you know part of the luxury of working in a small school is um you know I, I know most of them and there there is some really great things in that um so going back to your time during you know in vsi you were paired up with sarah moon who is literally one of my favorite people at modern classroom yeah. oh my gosh yes um but she was constantly like praising your name um and one of the oh. conversations that you had with her was about reflecting on your teaching and your learning practices um tell us a little bit more tell me a little bit more about that process 
Yes. Uh, first, shout out to Sarah Moon. Sarah, if you're listening to this, thank you for everything you've taught me. Um, so I remember often telling Sarah that one of the biggest struggles that I foresee happening um, with, you know, trying to implement MCP um, was how was I going to teach music to several different grades and classes a day and week, right? Um, like, the, the mentorship program with MCP was very, like, just incredibly valuable. Um, so I, I loved having that moment and time to uh, consult Sarah and get her feedback and um, listen to her wisdom and reassurance, right? So, um, yes, I had concerns. I was worried about, like, how was I going to implement this? Um, but... She reassured me that it's okay to give yourself permission to slow down and reflect on which classes um, that I was going to actually implement um, MCP. And yeah, one of the, the other biggest struggles was, okay, am I going to make instructional videos for every single, all 16 of my classes that I teach? Or like, how is this going to work? So it's good that with the mentorship from Sarah and with other ment mentors and collaborating with other mentees even, I was glad that we were able to share in these experiences together and to listen to the wisdom of Sarah and other mentors um, uh, to understand that this is a learning process and you don't have to have the most perfect MCP program at the start. So um, she reminded myself and my cohort to understand that it's okay to understand our limits and reflect on them, that it's okay to start off with a few classes doing MCP or just even one class, uh, which is what I ended up doing was just starting off with one class and just kind of being okay with just taking my time and letting it progress. Uh, what I loved about the mentorship program was that, um, yes, you would have the one-on-one -on -one time or video meetings where you can reflect together and reflect on the assignments and the growth throughout the MCP training program. Um, one of my biggest moments in the MCP summer program was just laughing with Sarah about making my first instructional videos, video, I mean, on my grade eight rap lesson. Um, I kid you not, Monty, it took me over 80 takes. <laughs> um, if you know me, I'm a huge perfectionist. So after reflecting with Sarah about that, we came together and discussed that, uh, you know, I'm going to promise myself never to do that again and accept that it's okay to not have that perfectly scripted instructional video. And even after completing that summer course, and I, I continued to reflect and I, I continued to look back at the notes that I made with my interactions with Sarah and this whole MCP um, mentorship program. And you, you said something really important, um, just now, and it's the whole, it is okay for your videos to have mistakes. I feel like that is the number one thing that people have to learn in order to do this successfully, because yes. a lot of teachers are perfectionists. You know, we want only the best thing going in front of students and, um, no, my first video was not 80 takes, but I remember doing it at least a dozen times because I'd mess up and, you know, some years in now, I just recorded once and I don't even watch it. I just put it in front of the kids and we see what happens. And they, they actually find it funny to like find a mistake. They're like, ha ha, you said, but, you know, or something. <laughs> like, yes, because words are hard sometimes. Um, but I think it also, you know, really creates a culture of 
we're human as well, um, which I think is important for kids to also know. Um, speaking of which, you know, you teach a lot of kids. We've kind of discussed that. How do you make time to like actually reflect? And what are some of your favorite ways to reflect? Oh, good question. Um, okay, so um, I work a very busy schedule and always on my feet. But even those moments between classes when transitions are happening, um, I would quickly write in my teacher daily planner what was achieved for that period and anything to note so that I could look back and reflect on those notes and to help me prep for the following week. Um, and when I do get that prep period, it allows me to breathe, plan, and reflect more deeply. And I have to remind myself, don't leave everything until the last minute or the day before. I used to prep, plan, and reflect on lessons for the upcoming week on the Sunday of that week. So I found that I was stressing out, losing part of my weekend and rushing. So nowadays, I push myself to prep earlier to allow myself to reflect more deeply and um and so yeah it, it's i would say you know throughout the week every day uh, even though it's so busy for me i do have to give myself that moment of all right chris pause you're you know you won't have an hour to reflect right now but between these classes go go to your go to your binder write down what was achieved reflect for a moment pause and then all right reset let's get ready for let, let's do this for the next class let's get ready um, and would you say that MCP has given you more time um, and more opportunities to reflect? Yes. So I would say that when I'm preparing my instructional videos or slides, I, you know, it, it allows me to reflect on the delivery of the content, choosing and curating carefully what is being taught and included in the, in the lesson, reflecting even reflecting on the sustainability of those lessons for future use. So in the MCP um, uh, uh, Summer Institute, I remember uh, us talking about, all right, so how are you going to make your lessons sustainable? So, you know, just reflecting on, okay, how am I going to word um, word it when I'm, when I'm uh, doing the videos so that I can use this for a grade eight class, use this for a grade six class? Um, is this something that could be universal and taught to the next school year? And after afterwards, you know, afterwards having done these instructional videos and preparing these Google slides and whatnot, um, it, you know, it gives me opportunities opportunities to reflect. Okay, was that successful? Did you know when when once I've done it with that one class, Chris, did that go well or was that unsuccessful? Um, what could be changed for next time? How are you going to tweak your, you know, that, that video for this class or for that class? Maybe it worked for that grade three class, but maybe not this specific grade three class. So yes, certainly it, it gives you time to just, you know, pause, look what you've done with your slides and videos and does it work for all learners or does it have a thumbs up or a thumbs down? You know, you kind of just reflect on it. And what about with your learners? Do you find that you have more or less time to do reflection with them? Right. Um, good question. I can tell that with the with the learners that I have and when they're doing the MCP lessons, um, I, I, I see I do sense that they're having you know a moment to reflect on their own. 
some self-reflection because uh, one thing that they're working on is how do they conduct themselves independently and collaboratively. So how well have they absorbed the content? And especially like right now, as we're nearing report card writing, the kids are being reminded of their learning skills marks. So like, you know, their initiative, independent work, responsibility, collaboration, organization, and self-regulation. So during these MCP lessons, I can see that the kids are reflecting on their behaviors, their focus on the work. And I think, and I think what kids love about the MCP approach, what I've, I've observed from my students is that they can pause, they can you know, even rewind or fast forward the instructional videos. But even those moments of pause and rewinding and, you know, fast forwarding, those students I can tell are giving, are, are, you know, allowed the opportunity to pause and reflect on their progress throughout the lesson. And when I'm reflecting with the kids too, um, when, for example, if they have to do a lesson on playing the violin and having to show me an exercise that was presented to them on their MCP instructional video as a mastery check, they'll come up to me, perform an exercise, and then we'll reflect together about, okay, did you follow the, um, the, 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 dire the direction or the instructions on the video or on that slide? Did that go well? Did you rewind back? Did you have a moment to see what went well? Did you do some self-reflection and even some collaboration with your students, getting self-feedback or feedback, peer feedback as well? Yes, and I, and I find that the students naturally with how MCP works with that um, peer collaboration aspect of it and that self-reflection um, self aspect of it, there's a lot of reflection embedded and it depends as you as the instructor the teacher are you going to embed that often into your mcp lessons and making that a regular routine as well yeah and i'm i'm convinced that you can't really do effective reflection without you know learning something first like we typically reflect off of the things that we've done and so you know, you've talked a lot about how you reflect in your practice. What sort of things have you learned this year um, as you've implemented some or all parts of the model um, that you've been maybe reflecting on? Yes. Uh, <laughs> now, this is, yeah, it's my first year implementing MCP. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm still trying to gauge and learn um, how to uh, facilitate MCP for the classes that I choose to implement it with. So, I learned that um, I may or may not have all the resources to run a successful MCP lesson and thus how to be agile in the moment. So like, for example, some teachers may have signed out the whole entire class set of Chromebooks during my music period, or sometimes I might not even have enough headphones or sometimes even running into Wi-Fi issues at school. So that, so in that case, I have to be able, able to pivot on the fly. Um, I learned also that it's okay to make those little mistakes in my instructional videos um, and not to, not to do 100 takes. Uh, I learned that there are different approaches to doing an MCP lesson as well. I remember having to do often ed puzzle videos and, and instructional videos, but I also learned like, hey, you can, you know, let's change things up. Maybe just make a self-directed Google slide. 
right? So I, I learned that there are ways to um, implement MCP that doesn't have to be the traditional way that I learned uh, all throughout the uh, the program. That there's, you know, many options, many different ways to uh, deliver uh, a lesson. <laughs> Yeah, no. And, and and I think what you just finished with is so important. You know, we we learn in the course like, oh, yeah, like instructional videos. But we also know, too, sometimes we want them, you know, not in front of the screen. Sometimes we want them doing other things. And yeah, I even find myself sometimes being like, hey, like, let's actually read this like article instead of, mm. you know, making an instructional video. Um, and I think being able to vary your instruction is also super important just for kids not, you know, getting bored with the same stuff over and over. Um, so important. Um, so you've told us a little bit about kind of how you reflect and how you've like organized your class. Um, but you know, we're just excited that you're on the podcast as a music educator. I feel like, you know, we get a lot of English and math and science, but music is tremendous. Um, and we get a lot of questions about how this model works in those non-traditional classes like music. Um, so what have you done to make sure that what you're doing is accessible and inclusive for all of your learners? Yes. So it's all starts off with, of course, you know, knowing your students. Um, if I'm doing a grade four or grade five lesson on, let's say, uh, reading notes on the music staff, um, I need to ensure that the language and content is appropriate for that age and to the point and, and like basically to the point without so much text. So I love differentiating the content. So, you know, including visuals, a video here and there and opportunities to work independently and with others. And this helps too with my multilingual learners who need more time with understanding the content and with that more straight to the point information. Um, I also mentioned how some, some of my students take music lessons and understand music theory more than others. So giving the, them those aspire to do activities like teaching a classmate how to hold the bow on the violin um, or how to interpret the notes on the treble staff, like giving those students, those kids leadership roles so that they can enjoy and also not you know, be bored of the lesson too, because I have to keep in mind there are different learners. There are students who have the, you know, maybe a month or years of experience outside of school learning privately on an instrument. So it's just giving different opportunities, knowing your learners, um, also uh, working collaboratively with uh, your fellow staff members as well. Um, your, uh, your, EL, ESL teachers, working with the homeroom teachers, working with um, our, your special educational resource teachers, your certs, um, even working with parents as well and guardians. And how do you celebrate uh, not only learner success, but how do you celebrate yourself as well? Oh, okay. So uh, learner success. Um, so uh, I use a progress tracker. I often use the public-facing uh, progress tracker. And when I see that a student is nearing, you know, maybe at the end of the unit or completing a mastery track, for example, even if it's a mastery track early in the unit while others are at later parts of the unit, I'll, like, I'll literally like, vocalize, like, shout out to Chris for completing a mastery track 2.1 or 
um, this year when various students completed their rap compositions, um, I'll read them aloud to inspire their peers. And no, I won't embarrass the kids, but um, I won't even disclose their names because uh, they'll use their own rapper name as their identity. So uh, when I'm reading a rap from, you know, DJ B, I'll say, all right, everybody get ready for this rap. Um, coming to you is this rap from DJ B, and then I'll recite it for them. And you can see like the, the you know, DJ B, who is like sitting all the way at the corner, there's hiding their faces. And luckily they, the, the class won't know who that is but they'll be proud that they're hearing their composition being read aloud. So I love just celebrating the compositions, the successes, the work, the achievements of students, especially when it comes to music and composing music, creating, and, you know, just achieving those mass, little tiny mastery checks, checks and successes, even small things like, um, or just like moments where I see kids collaborating with each other. I'll even pause the lesson and be like, all right, shout out to this group over here. Everyone, just let's take a moment to observe this here. We've got some collaboration between these three students over here. This is what we want to see, everybody, okay? So let's give them a round of applause. And I, I just like celebrating those moments where I see teamwork happening, leadership initiative happening. It's, it's just great. And I think that MCP allows for that as well. And yourself, what about you? <laughs> yes. Um, now, in terms of myself, um, now, it's even though it is a busy schedule for me, um, I like just taking that moment to just pause and, you know, just give myself a tap, like, you know, a pat on the back um, and be like, oh, you know what, Chris, that worked. That worked. Continue doing that. All right. Um, or just think positively. If you know if something didn't go well, celebrate the fact that all right, this is a learning experience. So, you know, I I I, I keep note of the lessons that that worked, the moments where um, you know you you saw some positive change happening with either a group of students or with an individual student who has been struggling, and you know just knowing that hey, Chris, you know you you help a student achieve that be happy so just thinking you know always thinking about the positive side of things and just yeah giving myself some self-gratitude at, at my school we have um one of our uh, words that we live by at our school is gratitude and so just giving my mom giving myself that self-gratitude moment <laughs> for whatever was achieved and staying on, staying on the topic of you, um, we also know that you're an incredible musician. Tell me a little bit more about that. And I really hope that you'll link some of your performances in the show notes because we'd love to showcase you and your talents. Uh, will do, will do. Okay, so um, for sure. So my style, so as a violinist, um, my style is kind of like a mix between classical meets hip-hop, pop, and rock, um, also known as classical crossover. Uh, so while I love music by Bach and Schumann, I can't get enough of playing music on violin of Alicia Keys, Bruno Mars, Coldplay, Sia, BTS, Lindsey Sterling. Are you familiar with Lindsey Sterling or like maybe the piano guys? 
I don't know Lindsey Sterling. I do know the piano guys. And like my favorite, uh, like I, I love hip hop violin. And so I like this guy, Josh Vietti, I think it's his <gasps> name. Yes, yes, him. My whole playlist at school is of this guy playing various hip hop songs. Yes, that, that, those are my, uh, my, my, my inspirations. So that's kind of like the style that I play. Um, now, uh, throughout my years, I've played with orchestras and ensembles to rock bands uh, and, and rappers and singers. And um, playing and performing is one of my favorite things. So whether it's playing on stage in front of a small or large crowd or playing at a local Starbucks or at a wedding ceremony, I love the feeling of sharing my music, performing um, I also wrote a method book for violin students called uh, Sights and Sounds, and that's basically meant for like violin students who are going through like a conservatory exam. Um, yeah, my, my music experience is all over the place, and um, I have no plans on stopping. <laughs> yes, and I hope that you'll continue because we need more classical hip-hop you know like <laughs> yes no i i feel like hip-hop is very much a genre that people frown upon all the time but it's so beautiful like when you actually take the time to break it down and listen to yes. the beats and that's why yeah. i love the hip-hop violin because it's like you know you get the really beautiful sound of the violin mm -hmm. but like with the bass which makes yes. hip-hop really great um, yes <laughs> i i am a fan and i can't wait to hear some of your stuff i'm actually really excited uh, now. thank you thank you what would you tell, you know, a hesitant music educator um, who might be struggling with doing this or like even the idea of this? How would you encourage them um, to create a blended self-paced mastery-based learning environment? Mm -hmm. uh, it takes some time and finding a groove to utilize it with your learners, especially if you have multiple classes like myself. But I would tell them uh, that M the MCP approach, you know, it's going to provide them with opportunities to take their lessons to the next level. If you find that, you know, your current approach to teaching isn't reaching all of your learners, or if you just need a change, see what the MCP approach does to your learning environment. You will notice a difference in their behaviors, uh, the attention, their marks and even less music performance anxiety, so less stage fright, and that that you know that definitely holds dear to me as as part of um that as that being my research, um, and I feel like that's going to be my lifelong research is trying to find ways to mitigate and prevent music performance anxiety, and so I I feel that uh, MCP greatly reduces any music anxiety that some students might experience or, you know, that they might come into your class assuming that it's going to be a difficult thing to learn. Um, and, and, you know, studies from what I've researched is that studies found that young and adolescent students find public playing a highly stressful, a stressful situation in the music lesson, even if it's not apparent on their faces or body language. They are stressing so the self-pacing aspect of MCP allows your kids to practice without pressure. And when they're ready for that mastery check or that, you know, that playing test, they can come to you with ease. And from the music education side of it, you know, this blended approach provides your students with a wealth of extra support. 
Um, music is, you, you may have heard that music is a universal language or it's, it's a language on its own. So when you can provide students with that extra support through these MCP instructional videos, resources, slides, and articles or whatever, that is going to boost their learning. And instrumentally, for those music teachers out there, instrumentally, you can make instructional videos on how to hold an instrument, produce sound, or guide students as they practice their exercises in their method books. And, you know, uh, this is especially useful because music teachers, how often do you lose rehearsal time to have a student or section repeat a passage over and over and over again? So what's good is that if you have those instructional videos that tackles those passages or is, I don't know, like universal enough, you can strategically use those videos for your rehearsals. You can recycle that video for other classes because who knows, maybe this year you might have one or two grade six music classes or maybe next year you might have four or five depending on what you have, yeah? So music educators, you have a wealth of knowledge. Now put that knowledge into the MCP model and see the and, and see the positive impact that it makes for both you and your students and your mental health. <laughs> yes, um, definitely. Um, what do you hope to see in the future and like what goals do you have? Uh, well, this is my first year incorporating the MCP model. So I hope to see, um, as I reflect on this past year, um, more improvement in my lessons um, and lesson planning and my instructional videos and, you know, finding more creative, fun, engaging, and unique ways of utilizing the MCP method. Um, as I reflect, um, I know there's more that could be done, and I'm excited to see how else I can incorporate the music curriculum with MCP approaches. Uh, goals that I have include, you know, rearranging my classroom space so it fits a more MCP classroom setting. So, like, you know, having an area specifically for completing mastery checks or specific locations for dropping off. Um, activities uh, or a more interactive progress tracker. Um, I, uh, Monty, um, I also am interested. I, I you know, I, I hope that this will guide me into, you know, bringing my MCP experiences to the next level, maybe even, you know, um, uh, looking towards being a DCME. Or and, and maybe somewhere down the road, uh, a mentor myself, because I, 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 I'm just like, I'm really, uh, I'm like, I find the MCP approach so valuable. And so, you know, there's so much to think about, so much I could gain from it. And also just, you know, as I reflect um, on my goals, I, I know that as each, um, as each year, of implementing MCP goes by that there's more room for improvement and yeah, just, you know, thinking of cool ways to blend it with the MCP and music curriculum approach. Yes. I love all of that. And you should definitely apply to be a DMC. Um, I think that 
um, you will be a great addition to that um, group of individuals. Um, Cause I can, I can hear the passion in your voice and that's what we love to hear. Um, so how can listeners connect with you um, to follow your journey? Yes. Um, they can follow me on my Twitter. It's um, at Mr. Underscore Isip. So M-I-S-T-E-R underscore I-S-I-P. Um, or on my teacher website, it's Mr. Isip dot Weebly dot com. M-I-S-T-E-R-I-S-I-S-I-P dot W-E-E-B-L-Y dot C-O-M. And we will make sure both of those are linked in the show notes in case you do want to give um, Chris a follow on Twitter um, or visit the website. Um, it has been such a pleasure, you know, hearing your passion for not only music, but MCP. Um, those of you at home listening, remember, you can always email at podcast at modernclassrooms.org. And you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 141. Um, and that's four slash. We'll have this episode's recap and transcript uploaded to the Modern Classrooms blog on Friday. So be sure to check there or check back in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to access those. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students and schools. Have a great week and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project Podcast. Podcast.